Welcome to Breaking the Panel, where we talk about everything that is awesome in the year of 2019. This is the 2019 Favorite Things episode, and I'm very, very excited about it uh, as we look back over what we loved throughout this past year. I am Charles McFall, the Rock Guy of Podcasting, and riding the sleigh tonight is Chris Wisdom. Why do you guys do these best of, like... You know how hard this is going to be to whittle down. I made two for every category. I kept it to that. I've got four for every category, Christopher. Yeah. I've got like 10 in these things. Definition of favorite is like the top of the top. The things that really stood out. These are the top of the top. Well, you can can do do two and then you do best mentions when we ask you to promote yourself. You just did the rest of your list instead. uh, And guiding my slate tonight, Philip Keating. With the bloody red nose and everything. I got a bloody red nose because, you know, uh, my life is spiraling out of control. Oh, God. No, it's been a good year. And uh, I got a lot of things to talk about of what I liked. So uh, I'm ready. I'm ready. And the the Krampus to my claws, Paul Klotz. Oh, hello. See? Perfect. Yeah. There you go. I, I bring your presence. He'll bring you coal. Nicole, if you will. As it were, I got the shittiest looks. Sack and beat them with a switch. <laughs> I got the shittiest looks from from two of the three other or, hosts, or even a switch light because that's new this year. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right, so yeah, the nice thing is, did you guys stick to the categories that I, I threw out? I did. It was uh, games, movies, TV, and music for this year of what you loved came out. Uh, or basically what you loved for this year and why. Uh, is anybody just dying to go first, or I, I can kick it off? How, how do you guys want to run it? Well, which category should we start with first, Charles? Uh, let's go with games. That just shut everything down. All right, uh, Phil, what category would you like to start with? No, 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 no. <laughs> let's start with games, uh, because there was a plethora of new Switch games that I uh, I purchased, but actually never got to the end of any of them, uh, which is how I play games the best. But if I'm really going to go out there and say my favorite games from 2019, they do all end up on the Switch because even though this was a quote-unquote off year for Nintendo because they didn't have a Zelda or new Mario, I still think that they put out some heavy hitters that I actually enjoyed. One of them, one might say, I had a honking good time as I went around causing terror. (laughs) An untitled Goose game literally stole my heart this year as it honked my way through, uh, through the second half of this year. A very strange indie game where you uh it's a goose simulator where you go around solving these short puzzles and causing terror wherever you go uh it it was a lot of fun the music behind it was very mr rogers-esque you know when the trolley is coming through but the music would change depending on what your goose did through that so i i really gotta say as much as the the triple a titles that came out for the switch this year Pokemon, uh, you had Luigi Mansion 3, and others. Uh, this 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 game really captured my heart and took a lot of my time. Secondly, uh, no surprise to anybody, Tetris 99 really beat the shit out of me, and it is my top-played Switch game 
overall. Aren't you so, a, a Maverick or a Maven or whoever the fuck it is when you get I am first? a Maven Maverick at yeah. <laughs> at Tetris 99. I it's a free to play game if you have Nintendo online and it's 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 my it's my happy place to the point where some of my Twitch viewers were like, "Yeah, no, we we know you love this game, but we don't. You got to stop playing it because <laughs> we're sick of watching you get second place and then get angry about getting second place and you're drunk and you're still getting second place. This isn't fun for anybody. Why are you doing this?" <laughs> and then my third mention um was the 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 impossible game that I never thought would happen which was Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3. I thought it really came out strong with the set list of heroes that you could play as. It's you versus the Black Order, and they keep expanding to that 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 hero roster with the new drop of the Dark Phoenix, bringing Gambit, Dark Phoenix, and a couple other um, X-Men onto the fold. So I find that I'm, interesting, because I haven't heard, other than when it first dropped, I really haven't heard anything in our communities or any buzz about it since it dropped and that's making one of your favorite I lists literally just said that to my roommate sean yesterday i was like you know i haven't heard anybody talk about mvc or not mvc uh you know ma ma3 yeah it, it came out a weird place um it came out a couple i think a week before borderlands 3 and it, it was a little janky for multiplayer i'm not gonna lie the camera angles for multiplayer was a little shitty but as a solo run experience, I enjoyed it. I really did. And if you got in on the, the first week, you got Deadpool in as a DLC character for free if you bought the season pass. And he was overpowered, and, and it was fun to just run through with him, destroying everything in his past. But, you know, it, it's fun to see some of these smaller Marvel heroes kind of get their time. Like, if you would have told me Miss Marvel was going to be in this game i'd be like yeah no that's cool she's a little obscure i i i would expect that from an ma game but i had a lot of fun with miss marvel and and i thought that they tailored each character really well it's a beat-em-up you know you, you can't go in saying this is going to be game of the year but did i have a fun time going through the storyline and 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 uh, playing as my favorite weird you know, pack of heroes that shouldn't be fighting together. Yeah, I had a good time with it. So those are my Switch games from 2019 that I love the most. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the fact that we do that every time a Swan Name Emily shows up is is not uh, relevant at all. No. Uh, Chris, you are known as the, out of the four of us, you're known as the, the least gamer. This should be an easy list for you. What is What is your... Favorite things in gaming this year? Tiny room. Fair. You know what? You love it. You love it. Who cares? Don't be all, be all like weird about it's, it. It's shit. a mobile app game. Tiny room. It's a detective game. It's pretty cool. Other than that, I just I don't get to play a lot of games. So, <laughs> now, twenty twenty will be different. Twenty twenty will be different. So, I hear you got a, a rig in progress. Yep, rig in progress, and then a switch will be coming into the house. So yeah, man. Uh, and you'll find that switch to be fun. I never take mine off the dock, though. I always leave mine docked and play it that way. But so many good games on it. See, I I disagree because I always said that I have no purpose for a switch light. Don't I don't see the point in it. And I've been playing my switch handheld a lot recently, especially with the Mandalorian coming out. 
you know, I can I can play not not and 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 watch the Mandalorian at the same time or while sitting on the toilet. Yeah, well, don't judge how I take in my media. Um, Mandalorian is like the only the only time that I can't multitask. I like I put the phone down and I'm okay with 100. percent Like I'll yeah, be talking to wife on my phone and doing other things. I'll be driving and doing four different things. Jeez. So when the Mandalorian is oh, on, that's the only thing that happens. <laughs> <laughs> only thing that happens. I really want to switch light now, just because you know the multitasking of watching the Great British Bake Off. Well, well poning noobs in Fortnite. That's what kids still say that, right? I don't nope. fucking know. All right. I don't know any kids. <laughs> uh Paul, what's your what's your favorite gamings of this uh, year? Uh for games this year. Well, the game the probably the game I've put the most hours into that has become one of my favorites this year started out as a game I played quote unquote for work. And that is Sea of Thieves. I started playing Sea of Thieves because Philip suggested it for Bromigos, what was not always called Bromigos, but is now called Bromigos, a Sunday night stream. Uh, at first, it was I enjoyed it. I had a good time playing with everybody every week, but I didn't care outside of Sunday night. You know what I mean? Like I logged in on Sunday. It was good. If the guys weren't playing, I had no interest in really playing. Something clicked at some point during the year, and what I, I think part of it is that I started watching uh, some content creators on on Twitch play it, and got to like really learn some ins and outs. I found my footing, and I, I found the joy in the game. I found the excitement, and it is honestly one of the most unique experiences in gaming right now. It is one of the few titles out there that captures that old Wild West feeling of there are other people out here with me and they could come ruin my day at any time or I could ruin their day. And, you know, <laughs> that is a unique, it sounds awful, but like yeah. really in my world, that's social anxiety disorder. <laughs> but the, the thing is like there, you, you never know when you're suddenly going to be having the fight of your life over 500 gold. And it's not about the gold. It's about the glory. It's about the, the, the pride and the accomplishment and the it's it's insane. I, I was playing today because today they had a, uh, a double doubloon event because they're doing an advent calendar type thing. Every single thing you turn in for doubloons today is double, which is insane. And I was playing with people from the Keeled Hall uh, podcast sub, or uh, discord. I just randomly, like, I've never grouped with anybody from that Discord, but today I was like, oh, it's a double doubloon day. I want to link up with these people. I was with this guy for, like, three three hours, roughly, and we were wrapping up to sell everything at the end of the, the, the journey, and I'm holding a Reaper's chest, and I jump off onto the, the dock, and I see on the island, on the outpost, I see rustling in the bushes like a raptor is there. And there's a giant plume of black smoke coming up off the campfire. And I realize there's people here and there's no ship. And then I see a gray name, which is an enemy name. And I'm like, oh, there's people here. There's people here. And I throw the shit on the, the boat. And we, I end up having this knockdown, drag them out fight for like 10 minutes with, with three guys on the island trying to kill the two of us on our ship until we sail away. And at the end of it, my heart was going boom, 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 because the adrenaline spike was so real. Did I really care about any of the loot we had? No. But I cared about 
not, you know, like not just letting them punk us like that. You know what I mean? And it was intense and nothing else has captured that feeling for me since the game I talked about on Bill's show, uh, you know, Ultima Online. Back in those days, you could lose everything in a heartbeat and rarely does gaming do that anymore. And so that really captured it. Uh, And I've gone at length about that. I'm sorry, but it's an incredibly unique experience. Other than that, uh, game-wise, Assassin's Creed Odyssey didn't come out this year, but it was available in a Humble Monthly earlier this year. That's a one... Not Odyssey, I'm sorry. uh, Origins. Origins is the Egypt one. Origins was fantastic. I've heard that the combat mechanics in Odyssey are quite different, and a lot of people don't like them. But I really enjoyed Origins. If you're a fan of the Assassin's Creed idea, like getting to explore history through gameplay, it was a really fun game. There were lots of little Easter eggs in there for fans of, you know, Egyptian history, Roman history, mythology, all of that stuff. Uh, I played that game a lot. And then some ones that I didn't really expect. Uh, Stardew Valley. I played, started playing it with Nicole on stream, and we would log out and play for hours and hours and hours and hours still. Uh, it seems like a cutesy little innocuous game, except it is incredibly addicting, and there's nothing quite as stressful as the first day of a new season where you're trying to plant everything in your fields. Actually, Philip, you should identify with that. <laughs> you should definitely play Stardew Valley with your wife sometime. Oh, I played Stardew for 14 hours, and, <laughs> and it's funny because I enjoyed Stardew, right? Mm-hmm. And when I start talking to Nicole and I was like, oh, I didn't know you were a Stardew player. She's like, yeah, no, I dabble in Stardew. I was like, oh, <laughs> I've put 14 hours into it. What about you? And she's like, yeah, 600. And I was like, <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> let, me, let me teach you how to how to play baseball, Pete Rose. <laughs> well, look at the big dick on Nicole. <laughs> <laughs> just a touch back paul on, on sea of thieves i mean you're completely right i i was on the show when that when that game came out and that first week i was hyped i was like this game is great this game is wonderful literally the next episode i was like that game is garbage i hate it don't want to play it anymore and i never really played it again until it happened with the show and last every the last couple episodes that we've done have been wonderful and I enjoy hitting those high seas with the Bromigos. Last last week, it was just uh, you and me. Yeah. On a sloop, getting sl- uh, slooped, And it, it was a lot of fun. And, you know, we had our battles on the seas, but it, it was just really about the, the experience that you and me had. It was just, it was a lot of fun. And if you would have told me a year ago that I'd be playing Sea of Thieves again and having fun doing it, I would have told you to fuck right off. <laughs> I, I did forget to mention one of the big things about Sea of Thieves is Rare, the developer, they really took a lot of the community feedback in. They were able to take a lot of the money that they got from the initial sale of the game, but also money they're getting kicked back from Microsoft right now because they're on Game Pass. And they've reinvested it in the game. And they've basically, since the one-year anniversary, have completely revitalized it. And every month they're putting out insane new monthly events with tons of content, tons of new cosmetics and everything. They have answered pretty much everything the community has asked for that they could possibly address. And they're just, they're building more narrative into the game right now. The last couple patches have been introducing more story and more little Easter eggs and stuff. And it's really building up to something amazing. 
and there's now literally hundreds of hours of content in that game if you want it if it's if you if you like it it's there uh but back to stardew very briefly the beautiful thing about stardew is it's this innocuous farming game but all the npcs in that game have real stories and so like like so you know like the i've never played animal crossing but my understanding is you talk to the villagers and stuff and things happen this is that same idea except when you talk to the villagers in stardew like one of them is a returning war veteran who has ptsd and is depressed and he just kind of mills around town but like you get a little bit of his story as time goes on uh and he lives in a house with his wife and his kid and like they all have their issues one of them i I think that's the same house as uh the kid is a aspiring uh programmer who is doing freelance work out of the you know out on his computer in the basement like there's real stories there and it's sometimes it'll just hit you like a sledgehammer like bam you're gonna have feelings right now and i'm like no this is an adorable game what the oh my god why so yeah it's uh the some of the most popular games you hear get thrown around by word of mouth that might be out of your uh your normal wheelhouse are actually phenomenal and you should occasionally check some of them out because stardew has been one of my favorite experiences this year that's awesome, man. Uh, I want to give a quick, because I use their notebook, I want to give a quick shout-out to She Podcast Live, which is a conference I got to go to this year. Uh, they invited me up, and I got to see it here in Atlanta, and hopefully we'll be doing some more work with them this coming year. But I got to use their their notepad they gave me uh, that has their logo on it to write down all my ideas for this show tonight. Uh, for me, games, uh, Paul, I'm going to go with one also that did not come out this year, but I discovered it this year, which is Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Um I just heard so much stuff. I, when anything gets overhyped, I just I just avoid it, right? It, it's To me, it's that rule of, oh, the whole world loves it. I'm probably not going to like it. And nine times out of ten, that's true. And this thing game has been out for, I think, a few years now. And just constant. Three years, two? Two, thanks, Phil. Uh, uh, that it, It's been a constant. Oh, my God, this game. Oh, my God, this game. And my brother-in-law got it uh, for himself this year. And was playing it and again. He, oh my god, this game! And like, yeah, whatever. But I, I happened to have like a, a Friday, Saturday off where I was just at home, and I texted him like, "Hey man, can I borrow the game?" And he ran it over because he lives two doors down. He ran it over to Aaron and I, and we popped it in, and that's all we did for like the next three months. Every second that we had together at you know at night after the thing was done, instead of watching TV in the in the more, you know Fridays, I get to work from home, so in the mornings. Uh, before I did some work, we'd spend an hour or two just playing Breath of the Wild. And we got it all the way done, and Aaron wasn't happy with that, so we backloaded it so she could go through and find all the, the Korok seeds and all the uh, discover this and that. And it's just a fucking phenomenal game. It, it is amazing. And, and of course, they announced Breath of the Wild, too. Uh, and she's like, oh, can we go get it? I'm like, no, they announced it. It's not going to be out for another, like, two years, babe. But we'll, we will pre-order it the second it goes on pre-order. Um so that, that was just the best gaming experience I've had this year just because I found something that I could do with her that not only was just something I could do with my wife and have fun gaming, it was a great experience of I don't want to find every goddamn seed in the game. I don't want to go around just killing people to farm gear and shit. That's all she loves about it. And so we partnered up well where I could just smash face and kill things and she could farm stuff and you get a whole game experience out of it. 
Uh, it was a blast. My other mention is something I've mentioned on the show a few times. It's the PS Now service. Uh, if you have a PlayStation, it's a streaming service. For me, perfect. Humble Bundle was a great system, but I have to you come down to my computer. I have to get the codes, load the games. Um, it's not just a, you know what, I feel like something different tonight. Let me just flip through a menu. I've got the Ultimate Game Pass, same kind of thing. I got a, I love it. I love Humble Bundle. I love the Game Pass on Xbox because uh, I can get my Gears 5, right, and load that, and, and Oakland, I've been playing that. But PS Now, if I'm sitting there with an hour to kill, I'm like, I don't really want to work on God of War. I don't want to work on my other serious games. What else is there? And within let's say five minutes of just most of that searching through, I'm going to try this game. And then a minute later, I'm playing it all for the monthly subscription. For me, that is just a glorious thing. You know, I have to drop 60 bucks to hate a game or wait for it to come on sale. Maybe like it. I get to try out everything on the system on the service rather. And it has been amazing. It is one of the best things I discovered this year. So yeah, Phil, you, you were obsessed with, with one game pretty hard this year if i can remember i can't remember the name of it it was a strategy game that you were in love with xcom or uh, uh no it was xcom-esque uh mutant year zero yeah. yes mutant year zero yes uh i've kind of fallen off on that just because guys see if, here's where streaming will fuck you up right i'm playing on my playstation you're right i bought it at christmas last year and i'm loving this game and i'm playing the shit out of it and then i got the, through the course of this calendar year us as a network has really not just focused on making great content for podcasts we've focused on branching out and streaming a lot and creating that content so then i got the game again on my pc and i started playing a new game and streaming it and then now i'm at a dichotomy in my brain of which game do i play uh, but absolutely that's a great that was a great game that i've been playing mostly this year and I love that style. That style of game is, is phenomenal and right up my alley. No, but I, I get that because <clears throat> I I streamed my first run of Celeste that came out on cart this year. And as much as I loved it and did well on it, um, you know, I, I kind of hit that wall where it's like, all right, I'm doing the same puzzle for 30 minutes that's not entertaining. I, I can't stream this anymore. So I took that game off stream and then f finished it, you know, off stream as I waited for my card to get charged $800 to be fixed. But yeah, I mean, streaming has been wonderful and also terrible at the same time because there's all these games I want to play, but the only real time I have to play games is when I go streaming and it's, it's, you know, my Sundays and Mondays are set on one game and my Tuesdays I had to roll back because I needed some personal time, you know, which is always important. Yeah. So yeah. now I only stream horror games every Tuesday when I feel like it. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, to chime in on that, I, I agree. Um, I started this year off strong streaming a couple times a week and as time went on, I was getting frustrated with myself with streaming because I felt like my performance in some games would suffer because I was focused on the stream and therefore it wouldn't be an enjoyable experience for my viewers. And other times I would just pick the wrong time of day. And I was always like, do I want to play something that I'm going to enjoy playing because I know I'm going to enjoy playing it, but I don't know if my audience is going to enjoy it. Or do I pick something that's going to allow me to interact more? And it just became this whole 
thing that got in the way of like what I was doing. And so it, it can be a real trap, but it can also like, there are times where you play something that you really enjoy and your audience enjoys watching you play it and it feels amazing. Yeah. So streaming is such a weird, a weird way to go about gaming because it is, mm -hmm. it's fun, but it's also still work. Like I, I tell people all the time, like a three hour stream takes a lot out of you and people don't realize it, you know? Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I used to stream from 10 AM to 3 PM. That's a long stream. Yeah. And then I would take one hour to have lunch and then jump in the car and then go record bots from 5 p.m. to 9 p.m. That's that's a long day. Yeah. And I would get to botch already drained. Mm -hmm. So, so I, I had to just tailor that back and, and, and step away from that for a little bit. Um, and yeah, I probably will get more play. I, you know what? I probably just play more on my PlayStation. And I mean, that's the thing about time too, right? We're talking about playing games and stuff. Uh, uh, I was streaming every Sunday afternoon, and I would play. I'd play Mutant Year Zero, and if my kids were here, they'd give commentary. They'd play like they're playing, but the audience liked it. I enjoyed it. And the great thing about that game is I don't need anybody to talk to. The characters talk enough that can spawn things for me to say and entertain the audience. Um, but yeah, I did. I got torn between when I stopped being able to stream on Sunday afternoons, which game down do I play? And uh, I think I'm just going to focus back on the PlayStation. And if I stream it again, I'll just go back to the point I saved it. But it is a cool thing. But we got to move on. We got other stuff to do. Movies for your 2019. Klotz, what are some of your favorite things in movies? Besides Scorsese. <laughs> uh, I... I I wouldn't say it was well. It was probably one of my favorites this year. Knives Out was a lot of fun. Um, I have a, I had a little bit of an agenda going into it because I wanted to. I really, really wanted to see Ryan Johnson's first thing post Last Jedi because for the last two years, everybody on the internet who hates the new current direction of Star Wars has been saying that Ryan Johnson is an idiot and couldn't write his way out of a paper bag and shouldn't direct anything ever again. And I went to see this film and I was delighted and I really enjoyed it. And it might not be everybody's, you know, thing, but it was critically well-received. It was well-received by the audience and I had a great time in it. And it just kind of reaffirmed the fact that like, while some of us might disagree on his choices with the last Star Wars film, Ultimately, this is somebody who's still really talented and can both write and direct an incredible story, and he did. And I enjoyed it. And I felt a little vindicated in it, but I had a genuinely good time. And when I talked about it a couple of weeks ago, you know, some people have suggested, like, wouldn't it be wonderful if uh, Daniel Craig's character became, like, a reoccurring character, like, like, Poirot, you know, mm. and I would love to see Johnson do more movies with like this, or do a mini series or something, and and I agree, so it'd be great. And um, it was something that was truly original too. It's not a franchise that existed. It's not an adaptation of a novel. It's not any of that stuff. It is a it's a bit of a derivative take on a genre like the Agatha Christie murder mystery template. But it is it was new and inventive and amusing, and it didn't take itself too seriously, and it was a really good time. Uh, other than that, oh man, it's um, I'm trying to remember everything that came out this year. 
That's why I Googled 2019 movies to remind me what I saw this year. <laughs> uh, well, you know, so Endgame was this year. Yeah. I still think that Infinity War is the better film, and I loved Infinity War comparatively, but I, what I have to give Endgame is it was an effective capstone to a decade, and I believe it's 21 or 22 total films. And it's a monumental accomplishment that I don't know that we'll ever see again. I, at this point, I don't have confidence that the next phase of the MCU is going to be anything near as comprehensive and, and as tied together as this was. And I'm just so proud of everybody who worked on it. Like you, I know that the Martin Scorsese's of the world are really pissed off that the whole industry has been taken over by the MCU, but they did it they effectively saved the comic book film genre by saying we can tell in lots of different styles, we can tell compelling, amusing, entertaining stories that are accessible to the general audience, but also have plenty of sprinkled in little delicious Easter eggs for the hardcore comic fans. Uh, We can tell stories that still surprise both the casual audience and also the hardcore audience, and we can do it largely cohesively. And I think that's a, a masterful accomplishment, even if Endgame is not my favorite of the MCU films. It was still great to see it all come to an end. Uh, kind of like, um, you know, Rise of Skywalker comes out tomorrow and there's some solace in the idea of coming to the end of a legacy, right? Yeah. You know, we're about to see 42 years and nine films come to a conclusion. And it's exciting. And so uh, Marvel achieved that this year. They they capped off their decade, and they did it pretty well, you know? And, yeah, so those are the two big standouts to me this year, I think. That's awesome. Phil, what you got? Well, I mean, that's the thing. I didn't – there's a lot of movies out there that came out that I didn't have the opportunity to see just because – of my life and how it goes uh, I, I really wanted to go out and see Jojo Rabbit uh, because I heard great things about it I wanted to see uh, Jarmusch's new movie The Dead Don't Die, the zombie film <laughs> that had a lot of strange actors in it um, but I didn't get to see that either I, I really enjoyed my time in Endgame I did um, to open up your movie and in the first 15 minutes, you have Thanos getting decapitated. That's where I got onto the roller coaster because I had no idea where we were going to go and how we were going to get there. And, you know, the, the, the Wes Anderson moment going into new Asgard, uh, that was wonderful for me. Um, I really enjoyed the new Spider-Man and how that was a love letter to Tony Stark, but also saying I can do this by myself because I can take the lessons that were taught to me through my father who passed away and kind of take on his legacy and become the new figure of hope in this universe. But the, my, my favorite movie that I had of 2019 was Danny Boyle's yesterday. It's not, a smart movie it's not a game-changing movie 
but it's a movie that resonated with me because I'm a big Beatles fan. And as anybody knows here, uh, music really is my life and music means a lot to me. So to have the concept of saying the Beatles don't exist except for one dude who gets into a terrible accident on his bicycle and he takes their entire genre and runs with it. The concept, I mean, it's wonderful. It's not anywhere close to being a masterpiece. It's a little a wave of the wand for most of it, but I enjoyed the fuck out of it. And I think when I look back on 2019 and the theater experiences that I had, I, I really enjoyed what yesterday left with me. And it got me to the point where I got back hard into the Beatles for a little bit that I've kind of fallen off of since 2009. Um, I found myself, you know, putting on the Beatles, leaving the theater right away. And I, I ran with this, this, this Beatlemania high that I used to have when I was a younger dude. And uh, I, I just, I loved it. So not a great film, but it spoke to me. And that was probably my favorite movie of 2019. That's awesome. Christopher. Probably between us and Joker are my, uh, my top two for this year. I mean, we, they've already mentioned Spider-Man. They've already mentioned Avengers. I mean, these were good movies. John Wick 3 was another great movie. I mean, it was just... That was a fun movie. Uh, exactly. It was fun. Um, you know, I would have liked to put Zombieland 2 on the list because I had a lot of fun with that movie, but <clears throat> um, it was more of the same, like... It's, it's kind of like Deadpool 2. Like, I've got, I liked the movie. Had had Deadpool or Zombieland not existed prior to me seeing those movies, would I feel any different about them? I mean, they would just replace the first one as far as the movie going. I don't think there was enough different um, uh, from what we had seen before. Um, but uh, Joker and Us were just two fresh ideas that just came out of left field and were just, they knocked it out of the park for me. Um, Detective Pikachu was another good one, though. Another yep. another surprise yeah. one. That's just it had no business being as good as it was. And Fuck it, yeah, it really was. Um, but yeah, that's 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 what I got. That's... Detective Pikachu. I was excited because I, I got to buy it uh, for the kid, and holy shit, I watch we watch it every week. I mean, that's mm -hmm. it's a staple inside our, our PS4 that gets played more than any PS4 games that we have. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I love it. I love the fuck out of it, and I can't... I, God, I, I want more of it so bad. Yeah, my kids really liked it. I think if... Um, for movies that I watch quite a bit with the kids, and this wasn't this wasn't a, a 2019, it was a 2018, but they didn't get to see it till I got home, was uh, Dragon Ball Super Broly. The, the, the new Broly movie was bad, and my kids love it. They eat it up, and they want, they want to watch it all the time. And it's good. It's 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 one of those rare good Dragon Ball movies. I, I've heard it's good. It's Dragon Ball's not my thing, but I have heard yeah, it's good. It's really good. I mean, I, it's not my favorite out of all the franchises, but Toy Story Four was a solid Toy Story. I I, I find it hard to say that it's it's better than three because three still gives me gut wrenches twice in that movie but four was a nice message and a really 
competent storyline of saying, hey, you can go out there on your own. You don't need to be part of this group. You're a strong enough human to survive in this this great massive world that we live in you just got to be your individual self and and believe in yourself to get through it things are tough and hard but if you constantly work at it and believe in yourself anything's possible which is a wonderful message to give to kids that really won't understand it until they get a little bit down the road and look back on it so that yeah yeah Yeah, absolutely uh lots y'all mentioned lots of great stuff uh one of mine is a a theater film and the other one's a netflix film and no it's not six underground although that was very awesome the other night uh godzilla king of the monsters i i when i was a child tbs was brand new as i, I was like six seven years old when that that came out and their thing during the day to build up an audience was was old movies not like turner classic films but you know other things they could get to kind of build that brand. Now TBS is supposed to be comedy and funny or whatever. Uh, and my parents, my mom especially during the summer, limited me to one hour of TV. My sister one hour of TV during the day up until dinner time when my dad got home from work and then we could watch you know whatever they were watching. We could hang out and watch it. And I had to to ask special permission and not literally not watch any TV during the morning until 1 p.m. At, in the afternoon every fucking day during the summer. Because that's when their monster, whatever, I forget the little cool title they gave for it, came on. And I watched every single Godzilla film ever made. They, they aired one a day, every day for two hours. And I would just sit there enthralled and loved it. And I'm talking about the old rubber suit Godzilla. I've watched every last one of them. So I've been a fan of Godzilla for a very long time. And... Yeah, the '90s movie, well, made me laugh. You know, Godzilla on Ice is not not cool. It was. It was Are you talking about the P Diddy movie? Yeah. Now that soundtrack was. I liked P Diddy and fucking uh, Led Zeppelin mashup. That was all right. But uh, yeah, so I'm talking about that film. Yeah. Uh, uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> but yeah, it was. It was. Hey, Kazaria was fun, but it was just. I don't know. It was a little too cheesy. Uh, and then Godzilla came out a couple of years ago and I thought it was really good and then King of the Monsters when I heard they were coming out with that and it was just it hit all the right notes for me as a child watching that and I took my kids to see it and my older ones my, Zoe Zoe didn't want to go see it she thought she'd be scared uh, she's my youngest but the older three went with me and we all just did they, they sat like I did in front of the TV they just watched the whole thing just eating it up and understanding no, this isn't a movie that takes itself too serious, but yet it's a fun universe, and the monsters are there. And, and when that motherfucker went super nuclear at the end, everybody, they were just on the edge of their seats. It was great. Um, so that that's definitely my personal favorite of 2019 was that. And I'm looking forward to Godzilla versus King Kong. And, you know, my dad's going to find an early grave when he keeps con- goddamn telling me King Kong's going to win. And I'm it's like, impossible. Motherfucker. Yeah, no. I was like, I'll break you, old man. I'll put you in a goddamn backyard <laughs> before you even turn around. Um, and then the, the other one that gets to mention for me, because it just came out of left field. I'd seen some some movie posters for it. Didn't really know what to expect. Also, having honestly, having uh, grown up with, oddly enough, in the South, uh, a fan of the spoofs of black exploitation films. Right. And uh, 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 yeah, I just watched a lot of stuff like that. And so to see Dolomite is my name, which was uh, uh, kind of a 
I know it's a semi-fictional telling of the story of Dolomite and, and more fictional than in his documentary, but goddamn, it was such a, a well-done film and such a an insight to, to his mindset and his comedy and how he he really just loved entertaining. Uh, and Eddie Murphy, I've been a fan of his older stuff, and there's a minimal interim that he's done some good, some not-so-good films and he's had ups and downs in his career eddie murphy was fantastic i mean he was dolomite in in this film it was it was amazing and all the the surrounding actors and actresses they got were great and so i i highly recommend that film for anybody if you uh are looking for something to watch on netflix it's it's great it really is fun uh tv let's see what i put on the list because i'm trying to, to oh wait no 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 we got to take a quick break. I forgot. We got we got we got to put food on the table. It's Christmas night, bitches. We got to put the Christmas ham on the table. You got to listen to some ads. So we'll be back in just a minute. Let's press some ham. <laughs> Breaking the panel is made possible by you and other listeners just as awesome as you are. If you want to support the show and get a little something in return, just go to patreon.com/breakingthepanel cuz we do appreciate the help. <laughs> And we're back with more of our favorite things of 2019. I hope you're having a, a wonderful Christmas week. This is our, our holiday episode here. And uh, TV. TV is a big one. I'm a dumbass. I didn't write down any of your movies, so I have to get back with you guys, get your list sent to me, because I'm trying to put it in the notes for later. Uh, but television. Chris, what is some of your, your best television of 2019? <laughs> this is this one's tough. Um. This, okay, all right. So, like, instinctively, I want to just go to the Mandalorian and say Mandalorian's my number one, and it, it and it probably is. But I mean, this is also a year that saw the the Watchmen on HBO. It saw a Swab Thing on DC Universe. I know you love it that. It saw one. Dark Crystal on Netflix. It saw uh, Daylight also on Netflix. Uh, Good Omens and the Boys over on Amazon. I mean. Doom Patrol. Uh, Doom Patrol. Well, it's... Calm down, Austin. It was good, <laughs> but I just... I, I, I don't think it was up to the caliber of those other ones. I just... Oh, um, but I'm it was good. I don't, want to take, I don't want to take anything away from Doom Patrol. There's just so much right with television this year. It, it's really... <laughs> Yet really still good. so much right. Game of Thrones! Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. It's, I'll... I'll Absolutely, Mandalorian's my number one. But uh, man, so much good stuff. And that's not even going into cartoons too. I mean, getting to see uh, you know Young Justice come back. Uh, ah, I don't know. Sophie's choice, but I can't. I can't pick. Don't make me pick. <laughs> <laughs> man, you. I only get like three of those down. You rattle off so many so fast. But <laughs> you know, it's good to hear that though. It's good to hear that. That I know there's been bad at at bad adaptations of things that you love there's been some down times where you're just not happy with tv and to have that year of of i know you're a big fan of swamp thing and you just you loved their adaptation to tv you thought it was great uh so good that it was canceled as soon as it came you know um watchmen uh you and i discussed a little bit for the patrons in between episodes uh there uh, I think we're all are enjoying mandalorian i'm just glad i'm honestly happy chris chris has a hard time because he loves things so much, when somebody fucks with it, 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 it he takes it to his heart. 
And I hate seeing that. So it's good to see that you you have the properties you love and they were treated right. I'm digging that, man. Uh, Paul, what was your your favorite TVs? Uh, Mandalorian is a clear front runner, hands down. Uh, and honestly, for a lot of reasons, one, it's just it's everything that I want. It, it's a fun, not too serious, but also there are stakes romp through the corners of the Star Wars universe that I've always wanted. When I was a kid growing up in the 90s, reading expanded universe stuff and reading like Tales from Jabba's Palace or any number of other things, and there were these side little things that weren't super important necessarily, but were interesting little jaunts through the side aspects of the world, we're seeing that. And honestly, this might be the thing that saves Star Wars. It, I don't, if we haven't seen Rise of Skywalker yet, we're all going to see it in the next day or two. But this might be the thing that saves the future of Star Wars. It, after The Last Jedi, the negativity has been at an all-time high. You almost cannot express a Star Wars opinion on the internet right now without getting attacked for it, unless you are praising The Mandalorian. If you are saying good things about The Mandalorian, almost no one's going to pick a fight with you. Almost. Almost. <laughs> there, are, there are a few people. Uh, I think it's amazing that we have a show where you have a badass Western, you know, hero slash anti-hero as your protagonist, and his chief companion is a infant of the race of Yoda, and everybody just calls it Baby Yoda because we don't have a better name for it. We have no idea where it came from. We have no idea where it's going to go. It's the most adorable thing on the goddamn planet, and everybody's cool with it. It's... I've, I've This, for me, cemented that the perfect recipe for Star Wars is a little bit badass, a little bit tongue-in-cheek, and a little bit cute. If you have all three of those pieces in the recipe, you have a good chance of succeeding. But if you go too far, you you can really screw it up. So Jar Jar is an example of going too far. Yeah. And uh, there's been a few other things as well. Porg. So, What do you mean? What's wrong with the Porgs? <laughs> yeah, I Man. saw it. I saw it. Oh, don't listen to the asshole. <laughs> <laughs> Mandalorian's fantastic. Uh, otherwise, um, it's 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 not fun but holy shit was it well made and that was chernobyl i didn't even finish it yet but what i saw of chernobyl was incredible and impactful and meaningful and it is something that i strongly believe that the networks like hbo have to be continued to be encouraged to do to make things that are meaningful, that aren't just pure entertainment factor. It is not necessarily a joyous watch. It shouldn't be, at least. If I don't know if you're a really big fan of radiation. But it's informative. It is heartbreaking. It is enriching. That is the word I like to use for things that aren't just strictly entertainment. And it was incredibly made. Uh, the uh, It's just, it was so good. And it was... It's weird to say this, but it was such a palate cleanser after coming off of the disappointing end of Game of Thrones that it was like, all right, so it's not an HBO thing. They still make great television. It's just it's just a Weiss and Benioff thing. 
So yeah, um, those are the probably the two big standouts for the year for me. I've enjoyed other stuff like Stranger Things season three. That was fantastic. Um, stuff Netflix has been putting out, like the movies and the um, toys that made us. I, they're not full-fledged series, but they are quote-unquote television. They're wonderful little dishes that come out every once in a while and just razzle-dazzle you and then move on. It's, yeah. That's where I'm at. That That is awesome. Man. This That's is beautiful. the way. <laughs> I have spoken. Oh, God. We're going to have to tattoo his ass this, this uh, year at Dragon Con. I have spoken right across his uh, taint right there. So, uh... <laughs> just keeping you on your you toes know you know that's two different things right and <laughs> acetate uh well it's i have spoken so it's gonna wrap around and finish off and yeah uh don't 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 fucking make me explain the drunken thoughts of my brain phil fuck off uh tv uh have you guys heard on netflix have you heard of a little series they did called russian doll yeah mm-hmm. that that Came out another one on Netflix that came out of nowhere. All of a sudden, it popped up. I'm like, I like those actors and actresses. Um, why not? I got time and I'd put it on. Fucking phenomenal. I mean, it's so easy to mess up timeline stories. Uh, it's not even time travel, it's more like Groundhog's Day kind of thing. And the way they did it, and, and, it was so enjoyable. I was gonna say, and the way they finished it, I don't. But I, I didn't want you to lead thinking there's a cliffhanger. There's not. But if they did a season two, I'd watch the shit out of it. And it didn't even have to be the same people. If you told a, a similar story with different characters and and same kind of premise of figuring out what's going on, it it was very enjoyable. Dark comedy. I mean, it very much is in the dark and a little less in the comedy section. But it it is, it is, it is. It's weird to say this, but it is a refreshing. It was a refreshing take on TV. Just watching something, even though it's so dark and and sometimes even depressing, that it it just revitalized my interest in, in watching things, and I really enjoyed it. And God damn it, Paul, you fucking got me. You got me, man. I've been holding off on marvelous Mrs. Maisel forever. Again, it's a hype train. People talk about it, and I fucking listen. To uh, Crash Test Pilots, uh, uh, Storybrooke Edition, where you're talking about Gilmore Girls, and you fucking talk about Amy Sherman Palladino, and how, she, and I love Gilmore Girls, you're like, and she wrote Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, I'm like, son of a bitch, and I told my wife, like, eh, let's try it, and hooked. It is fucking phenomenal. If you leave, it's amazing. <laughs> I would follow. Don't, don't tip me. Uh, yeah, I mean, I couldn't. We, we timed it just about right that we finished up the two seasons that were on Amazon about a week and a half to two weeks before season three dropped. Yeah. And now we're burning our way through season three, and then we're going to have the Sopranos effect where we got the Sopranos four seasons behind, binge watched it, and it caught up, and now we're Jones and going, Where's our fucking fix? Oh, that uh, happened to me with Breaking Bad. Right? You know, that's why I like to try to wait till something's done sometimes if I think it's going to be really, really good. <laughs> I um, got into Breaking Bad right before the second to last season came out. When oh, they over two oh years. wow. <laughs> oh, damn, dude. So uh, I had to decide not to watch the second to last season until the last season was out so that I could just binge all of the because it, it was technically one season split over two years. And I was like, no, 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 no. I just no. Yeah. I'm just going to watch it all at once. 
that was a rough year so yeah but that that's uh holy shit just the the quips and the one-liners and the characters how they stay true to character and yet grow it's just amy sherman paladino at her best it's fucking amazing and fuck you paul for getting me hooked on another thing that everybody goddamn likes so well it's marvelous mrs Maisel is one of those things that is doing well and it is popular in certain circles but it is not what i would consider a mainstream hit so it's definitely won a ton of awards so i'd probably agree with. well yeah it's it's winning awards and people are talking about it people are talking about the writing and the performances it that is a show that is genuinely every combination of like heartwarming and soul crushing and funny and just it's great it's it's fucking great it's a great show it is it is amazing uh i believe phil yeah phil you're next what's up yeah that that's my name yep um so uh no surprise to anybody i i had a really rough time watching television this year with me being pulled to every which direction so I fell off of TV really bad this year and there was nothing but great shows on and you guys have listed a lot of them and I've only hit a few of them. I had a really great time with, with stranger things uh, season three, even though I did not really enjoy season two, I thought it really got brought back, but there's shows that I followed that I have fallen off veep. Apparently veep had a beautiful ending to their series yeah i gotta catch up with that and watch it didn't, yeah. didn't get to see it uh, silicon yeah. valley came to an end i'm binging this that year. now yeah and i haven't started it yet um excuse me the watchman i haven't even started and the watchman is my favorite property for for comics um but the television that i i did end up getting around to uh it, it really grabbed me and and hit me perfectly was uh, what we do in the shadows, the television series. Mm. Yo, know, this is something again that on paper looks terrible and shouldn't work, and they fucking found a way not only to make it work as a television series, but tie it enough back to the original movie, but not giving you those huh huh remember this moments. It made it its own property. It made it its own own identity and the last episode of that series was just like, no, 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 no. <laughs> Give me, I just need like one more episode, please. Yeah. No, no, I, I can't, I can't wait that. that mm-hmm. So I, it's, it's really my standout this year is what we do in the shadows television. Creepy because- paper. And and that's the great thing because the the first the movie has so many funny memes and lines that aren't mainstream, right? We mm-hmm. say it to each other and we're like, "All right, you get it. You're in the know." And that transferred over to the television show. Like it was so perfectly crafted that I I I really I tried my best to to find other shows that I enjoyed and nothing could top what we do in the shadows. So not a long bit by me, but but a very strong contender and a swing of my hammer of television. I I do feel like we've left something off all of our lists and it should definitely have been on mine uh, before we move on. I forgot to mention the boys. And that's another one. I I missed the boys. The boys was so fucking phenomenal. And just like 
turn the the superhero tv show genre on its head yeah and i can't wait i can't wait for another season of it by the end of it i was just i loved every moment of it i've i haven't had that much fun with a show in a really 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 long time that's um man that it was so different right it was so twisted and and you just didn't know what was going to happen next it was it was cool all right, music. I'm going to go ahead and knock mine out because I know uh, it's not going to resonate with a lot of people. So I'm just going to knock out my music for this year. Uh, my my top album this year just came out a few weeks ago. It's Radio Company by Jensen Ackles, uh, who is more well-known for Supernatural fame. Uh, but that boy can sing. And he's been doing it for a while. I've been following him. He's one of the few people I follow on Instagram and, and look at his stuff. And, and uh, it just hit the right notes for me i love i love the tone of the album it's it's uh fucking phil came on for booze and borderlands when i was listening to it and he's like what you listening to and i told him i was like yes yeah, it's, it's like blues rock he's like no 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 <laughs> I was like fuck you phil i like it uh it, it is it is a little bluesy a little rise bar music without being nickelback you know it it's, we go um, to different bars my dude we do we do uh but uh i, I don't know i just you even you you heard like thirty seconds of one song. That's all yeah. I needed. This is fuck you. See, uh, but check it out. It's it's give it a give it a listen. Um, it's a it's a good. And this this one, I would have written off as pop bubblegum music until my daughter got tickets. She bought tickets with her birthday money, and I took her to this concert and actually listened to what this girl was saying and singing and and musically. It still kind of sounds pop bubblegummy sometimes, but uh, uh, Melanie Martinez in the K-12 album, she is, as I termed it, aggressively positive. And I don't mean, oh, today's a wonderful day. He's like, no, this is who I am, and go fuck yourself. And the whole concert was set up with these video clips of, like, rules that she's come up with, and it's about love yourself and take – and it was – it's – it, as I describe it, it sounds bubblegummy, but it's not. If, if Metallica had done it, the world would have celebrated it, honestly. You know, it's just something that I think humans need, not just you know, young girls and, and teenagers coming up. And there was a big adult crowd there. And it having, I never would have given it a chance, but having gone to the concert and, and hearing the lyrics and hearing what she's saying and seeing her message, it struck me. From all the stuff that came out this year that's kind of more of the same, it struck me as more of what we need in the world. And then the last shout out I want to give is to a friend of mine, uh, DJ Grave Danger, who's a mashup DJ who's been doing better and better work uh, throughout this year and just recently uh, put out what I believe is one of his masterpieces, which is Linkin Park meets Evanescence. And uh, he's been getting a lot of press for it. And you should, I'll, I'll have the link in the show notes. If you never listen to a mashup at all and if you're like, I don't really like Linkin Park, it doesn't matter. This is not a standard Linkin Park thing. And it's one of the early Evanescence songs, is the part of it and the way it's mixed the story is such a sad one of of not being able to hold on to yourself mixed with i'll hold on to you and it's it's really great so grave danger has been doing some amazing work this year and um i think everybody should give it a listen let's see man everybody's gone second already i'm trying to mix it up but there's only so much mixing we can do uh you know what phil I always think of you as Tom Waits. So, so what do you got, man? What, what was your favorite I brought show? four albums with me for music. <laughs> uh, 
to be honest with you guys and, and the listeners, it was um, it wasn't a great music year for for my taste in music. Um, I, I really went back and tried to to scour some, and there wasn't that many. There wasn't a lot like there was in 2018, but the ones that I have, I, I've enjoyed a lot. Um, I'm going to start out with two more comedy records or or lighthearted records. So Stephen Lynch uh, is a beautiful comedic uh, musician, actor, stage performer, but he um, he put out a new record this year, which is uh, it's been eight seven years since his last one. This one is called My Old Heart. His last record, Lion, was more of a folky comedy record. And this one keeps that tradition alive where he's doing uh, more Americana folky music, but uh, with the weird, twisted, Stephen Lynch botched-esque uh, lyrics on top of it. So uh, get that get that on Spotify as, as quick as you can. Uh, Jonathan Colton, another wonderful comedic-esque uh, guitar player. He put out a Yacht Rock cover record this year. <laughs> now look, you laugh, and and you would think that Jonathan Colton would put his Jonathan Colton spin on it, but no, he literally just copied and pasted. Total arrangements, nothing is different. Uh, if you like that real, you know, uh, swagger-esque music of I'm Yacht on a boat. Rock... <laughs> Yeah. What's and the name it, of the album? The album is called Some Guys. It was kickstarted. It was really great. Um, it's it's not everyone's cup of tea because uh, only lunatics like Yacht Rock, but uh, we are a strong cult of them. Uh, not on my list. You know what? I'm going to add this real quick. I, I kickstarted a, a record this year. It's a, it's a chiptune record uh, cover of... Uh, in an airplane over the sea by Neutral Milk Hotel. It's a indie performer chip tuner named Doctor Octo Rock, um, and he kickstarted that record. And it was a pretty true to form um, uh, chip tune record cover record of In an Airplane Over the Sea. By two little serious ones that I have, um, which is not surprising. But Tom York, the lead singer of Radiohead, came out with a new solo record this year. And it was actually uh, worth listening to. As much as I love Radiohead, uh, which is a surprise to literally no one, Tom York's solo records don't really resonate with me all that well. There's a reason that Radiohead works is that they've been together for 35 years and every band member has a vote to whether a song makes it on the record or not. And that's why Radiohead has five records of b-sides because they record all these songs and tom's songs normally are just electronica bullshit that i really couldn't get behind this one actually had some feeling and and lyrics behind it that that resonated with me it's still electronica but with a little bit more acoustic and a little bit more heartfelt lyrics and and struggle and pain in there so i was i was surprised to actually enjoy it since i did not enjoy the last three records that he put out but my record of 2019, which is a little sad to talk about, but the band Purple Mountains uh, came out with their debut record, self-titled Purple Mountains. This was um, David Berman, who retired from music. He had a band called Silver Jews for a very long time, and he retired from music. And 
this was his coming back to the music scene and and really his it's it's sad to say now because what happened was this record came out and and david uh he ended up taking his life about three weeks after this record came out and this is really his own eulogy to himself this this is a epilogue to his life and career and it's really dark especially knowing now you know this record came out in july he took his life in august you could say it's a cry for help most certainly because it's a very emotional record it's it's bummer rock um if you enjoy the band the eels this is really up your alley but even if you don't i think that the experience to listen to this this struggling very emotional artist literally leaving everything out there on the field and telling you exactly what's going on as poetically as possible it's it it really shook me to the core um so check that out it's purple mountain self-titled it's on amazon and and spotify but it's it's really worth a listen to and uh always remember that <laughs> if you need help just reach out Ooh, that's that's uh sad. follow that up cunts <laughs> <laughs> no it, it is just sad when you 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 hear of a creator coming back you you say you retired and came back and did this thing and then that tragic end you know it, no it, no it, it's really yeah. rough and and uh, the the songs are just as heavy and rough i mean you know uh the first three songs are called you know uh that's just the way i feel all my happiness is gone dark and cold but with with that said like it's one of those instances where the musical arrangement is very upbeat but the lyrical uh, patterns and and words are just so heavy and downbeat. So they kind of get you, oh yeah, this is a catchy melody. Oh shit, what's he talking about? Oh boy, no, that that's heavy as shit, which, which always plays weird with me. And uh, you know, I might not be at a great place this year mentally because this this record talks about the loss of a parent, loneliness, uh, the, the judging oneself. Uh, but it it really it really hit me hard, and uh, I think everyone out there should you know give it the forty four minutes that it it really deserves. Fair enough, Paul. Follow that up. <laughs> uh, well, I've got. I've got one that did not come out this year, but it's still, it, it was new to me this year. And I'll get into that in just a second, but uh, stuff that did come out this year. Uh, one of my favorite artists is or well bands is Queens of the stone age, because one of my favorite artists is Joshua Hami who leads Queens of the stone age. And the reason I like that band is one, because his music is generally about collaboration uh, the lineup of the band has changed dramatically over the years uh, since its inception. And he basically, he had this side project in the early days of Queens forming after he had come off of uh, his former band Caius called the Desert Sessions. And what it was is he has a recording studio in his house in Rancho de la Luna in Palm Springs, California. And people would just 
generally end up going out and hanging out at his place for a while and they jam and you know a lot of times they do a whole bunch of drugs and jam and they used to lay it down you know they they jam they they come up with stuff on the spot and he released uh, a whole bunch of them for a while and the last one uh, they were called the desert sessions and prior to this year's release of volume 11 and 12 which is you know together in one the last one to come out was in 2003 uh which was nine and ten 2003's nine and ten was amazing uh one of the best collabs on it was with Polly uh, PJ Harvey, Polly Jean Harvey, uh, a UK artist who you might remember her really breakout hit, uh, Down by the Water. I think it was Down by the Water is the title of it. Um, from the 90s, they had a couple of fantastic songs on, on that. But this one is a collaboration with the likes of like Les Claypool and of all people, Matt Berry and like things we do in the shadows matt barry yes yes <laughs> yeah uh, all right he's on a track called chick tweets uh where he puts they use a voice changer and he puts on this ridiculous voice and it's a oh man it's just it's a riff on another song and it's just amazing but there's some great collaborations here. I'm going to say Desert Sessions isn't a wall-to-wall banger or anything like that. It's more of a, do you want to hear really talented musicians stop caring about whether they can sell an album or not and just hang out and make something? And the end result is what it is. And none of their careers really rely on it. It's just something they do because they want to. Uh, another thing that came out this year... Well, okay, so I am the... For most of my adult life, I've been a huge Tool fan, and the, the Tool album finally came out. But I actually have not listened to it very much. And that's partially because it came out <laughs> Dragon Con weekend. <laughs> <laughs> and I, so it's just like, I have not had time to sit down with it and just kind of put out all distractions and really absorb it. But I've listened to it a bit, and it sounds pretty great so far. It is, it has been well received. So I haven't dove into it quite yet, but I'm a, a really, really big Tool fan, and I will at some point dive into that album. Leads me to the last two I have here. Uh, one is something that is not new, and that is Hamilton, the musical. Uh, I'm just going to put it out there. Nicole brought me to Hamilton. Nicole, before we started dating at the, back in February of this year, I knew two things about Nicole. One, that she put up with all of our dumbasses, and two, that she loved Hamilton. And the whole reason that our relationship kicked off is because I mocked her and said that the only time anything intelligent gets posted in chat by her, it's usually a Hamilton quote. I'm paraphrasing. It was a little more eloquent at the time. And she was like, what the heck? And accosted me. And we started talking, and that's how we got to where we are today. But her love for Hamilton she got me to give it a chance and i finally sat down with it i have heard i had heard the buzz for years that this was the greatest and best thing what what are you growling about he's purring um, no 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 <laughs> he's only been saying it for yeah. fucking two years before you even 
I know. I know. I'm aware. Yeah. But I don't care about the things you say. Fucking drive up to New York and kick you right in the throat. Please do. Full disclosure: Uh, none of us actually ever heard an episode of botched ever. (laughs) Not even me. I've heard two. Um, But Hamilton, if you're uninitiated, you you don't necessarily have to be into musicals. But what Hamilton is is this amazing combination of history hip-hop and musical theater and it is the catchiest shit it is the sassiest fucking just like talking about you know the founding fathers in a way that is still relevant today and what what was done both in the right i mean lin-manuel miranda did hamilton and he's gone on to do the music for moana uh, apparently, he wrote one of the the tracks in the score for Rise of Skywalker. Nicole got to see it last night, and she told me she's like, "Yeah, Lynn did one of the songs." I was like, "What? Was there a musical number?" And she's <laughs> like, "No," and I was like, "What?" <laughs> so, um, but he's gotten to do a whole bunch of movie stuff since, and it's all been like really, really good stuff. And it's if you're into American history at all, a it's a powerful piece and it has a lot to say and he, they made he made a distinct style of choice in that he chose to cast all of these roles all these old white dudes of our founding days in multicultural with multicultural actors and performers and it's incredible and the songs are so catchy uh i I listen to the album on repeat a bunch of times while playing Minecraft with Nicole. And there are times where I will listen to that soundtrack now and I will see a tunnel that I was digging in Minecraft <laughs> at one point. Cause yeah. it took me days. It's really weird, but it's, it's really some of the best writing that's out there. I genuinely think that Lin-Manuel Miranda is one of the most important musical minds of this generation. And he is going to be so, so, so important to the culture going forward mm-hmm. and he's just absolutely incredible so you should give it a chance please give it a chance and before you go into your last one uh honestly you know how sometimes you'll go back and watch older works of somebody as they're mm-hmm. up and coming and and you see how they've gotten better not him you go back and watch the new electric company on pbs where he's he really got his break mm-hmm. that dude was on point from day one from day one, I mean, Mike turned it on. I was like, "Oh, I remember Electric Company's kid here." My kid and it's Oakland and Crosby when they were seven or eight when we when that first came back to PBS, and I was like, "Holy shit!" And I would sit down and watch all the segments with him, and he was, quoting fingers, nobody. That, and you could see why he's doing what he's doing today. It just took the world a few minutes to catch up with him. It's amazing. He's also one of the, like hardest working dudes in show oh, business yeah. right now, uh, juggling a million projects. He's on his Dark Materials right now. Uh, which is apparently not doing so well, but people are praising him for his performance. What were you going to say, Charles? I want to see that. but uh, And you know how a lot of times they'll do something like he wrote Hamilton and he stars in it, right? But it's off-Broadway now. Or I mean, there might be one on Broadway, but there's it's a touring company. Yeah. It's everywhere. Yeah. He's in the touring company coming around to Atlanta. Uh, my father-in-law bought my daughter Hamilton tickets, mm. and it's got him listed on it. That's and cool. I was like, holy shit. He occasionally does dip back into the cast for a little while. Yeah, he can. So, uh, I might have to talk my daughter into taking her favorite father yeah, to Phil, it. You might have to 
protect your daughter from Philip, who's going to drive down. Whoa, hey, crazy. <laughs> beat, beat, beat a little girl shit. up and steal Oh, yeah, no, shit, yeah. Chuck, you want you want to go to see Hamilton with me? <laughs> I'm down, man. But she, let me tell you, she wrestles. <laughs> she might take your ass. and uh, I mean, you're going to have yeah, a hard have fight on your wrestling. hands. I wouldn't be the first time I pistol whipped a fucking chunk. <laughs> <laughs> but what's your notable, last Yeah, yeah. The other notable thing about uh, Hamilton is that it really kickstarted a lot of people's careers. Uh, David Diggs mm. and a number of other people are are starting to. Some of them are blowing up more quietly than others, but they're getting a lot of opportunities. So, uh, Jonathan Groff, who was is the lead in Mindhunter, he plays Holden in Mindhunter. He plays. Uh, What's his name in Frozen? Yep. Kristoff in Frozen. Um, I'm not saying that it necessarily was a start, but it was a big thing for him. It was a big breakout role for a lot of people. So it's an incredible thing. Now, kind of loosely related to that, the other album I want to talk about is from another artist who is famous for doing Broadway, and that is Ben Platt. Uh, Ben Platt is pretty famous for doing Dear Evan Hansen, and then he also did one of the mixtape crossovers with Lynn manuel Miranda from Hamilton, uh, where they took a song from Dear Evan Hansen and a song from Hamilton, and they kind of did a duet that merged them, and they sang each other's parts and stuff. It was really awesome. But he released a solo album this year, which is really meaningful to myself and to Nicole because it's 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 pop and but like relationship focused stuff. But it's he's a wonderful singer. Uh, he's a wonderful writer. And that album speaks to us in a lot of ways. So if you're looking for something kind of romantic oriented that you want to listen to with a significant other, it's a fantastic album. It says a lot. And most notably, he is breaking out right now. He has the show on Netflix, The Politician, which they just got a bunch of nominations. So, you know, that is that is a thing. And he sings a little bit on that show, too. So if you watch The Politician or you're going to watch The Politician, that guy put out a solo album back in March of this year. And it's it's great. Like every song is solid. So mm. those are my picks for this year, which mm-hmm. half of those are way out of my wheelhouse because I'm normally a, you know, kind of a hard rock kind of guy. But not so much this year. Oh, I can't wait to listen to this. <laughs> I really can't. Uh, Dear Evan Hansen is so sad and so good. I had no idea that fucking Ben Platt had a solo record. It's it's a yep. it's a bit of a banger. It's, I'm already downloading it onto Spotify. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Chris, what is your your music for the year? Man? <laughs> <laughs> this poor man is sat here for. The last 30 minutes while we thought about Wait, Chris, music. can I make your pick for you? Sure. The score to Mandalorian? Sure. You good with that? Sure. Oh, boy. <laughs> that sounds positive. Can we call out the score to the Mandalorian? That is Ludwig Göransson, who is uh, quite famous for being for doing Black Panther and also for being uh, Childish Gambino's collaborator. Because hmm. the music for the Mandalorian has been incredible. So it has been. And and the references, uh, on a little side note, uh, I'm a few episodes behind but on the, the gunman, uh, the gunslinger. I noticed that they were bringing bits from every set of movies, right? Mm-hmm. They had the, I think you call them pig bots, but the little helmet bots from the first trilogy. 
they had uh, uh, a number of references to the original trilogy and even uh, um, some things from from the, the third trilogy going on. I thought that's a nice thing that they're pulling. They're showing a universe, right? They're pulling everything together. It's cool. But, yeah, the music has been great for that show. I've really enjoyed the crap out of it. Um, so, all right, that's going to be – go ahead, Phil. I, I, I'm going to bring in a quick surprise category that's just for me. Um, <laughs> podcasts that I discovered in 2019 that I've really enjoyed, uh, which none of these really need promotion at all. And all of them are hosted by Bill? Or uh, but but, but uh, they really I've, – I've glommed onto them, and they've been pretty fucking dope in my eyes. Um, Adult Swim Podcast has a podcast where they talk about and talk to the creators of some of your favorite shows from Tim and Eric to Brendan Smalls and Metalocalypse and, and other voice actors about what it actually takes to get their shows on Adult Swim. I, I found that very interesting this year. Uh, Astonishing Legends is a crypto pseudoscience mythology podcast that I've really enjoyed the shit out of. It's really good um, if you're a skeptic or you like alternate ways to looking at historical things that have happened that's been interesting for me um and then the last one i'll pimp out which i've really enjoyed more than i thought i would was the three questions with andy richter and uh i've always liked andy richter a lot a little bit more than i've liked conan because (sighs) go on he has a more interesting past and getting through Chicago in the improv scene than Conan has had to deal with. So he started this podcast this year, and so did Conan. And I find while Conan's podcast has been fun and enlightening, and hey, look at me talk to my famous friends, Andy Richter is bringing in actual people that he's friends with and diving deep as in Marin would do, but actually caring about his his his, his guests. So it's it's been... It's I've enjoyed it more than Conan's podcast. So three questions with Andy Richter, um, check it out. And I think I think that's really it for for podcasts that I've discovered in 2019 that I've enjoyed. Awesome, uh, well, boys, it's been a fun uh, fun year. We've had a lot that we've covered over this past year, and and uh, had some good times with it. And this was a uh, I enjoyed this. I enjoyed hearing what you love from the year. I enjoyed being able to share what I loved and just having that. Uh, Round the fireplace talk, if you will. Uh, this is going to be it for 2019. The next time we're actually all together in the same room, digital room as it were, will be January 1st for our live show. So I hope you all have a – I know there's going to be a, a Star Wars special uh, Christmas week and, and other little things going on, but the next official Hold time we're up. together. You, you, you cannot say Star Wars Christmas and special all in the same breath. I can't you can I get away with did. <laughs> I don't no. say I got away from it, but I said I said it. <laughs> uh, Uncle George is gonna come hunting us. <laughs> You're doing what? Yeah. Uh but yeah, New Year's Day we'll be back together. So I hope you all have a great holiday. I'm sure we'll be talking off air, but for his on air family. Uh thanks everybody for supporting and listening this year. I know and everybody can say what they want, but I know I speak for all of us when I say we all really appreciate it. That you download, that you comment, that you feedback, uh, share it, and and support the show as you will. Uh, we love you all, especially Kyle and Lamb, 
he he gets around. Man. I hear him on other shows being referenced, and he's a he's a great guy. We love having him as a patron, and uh, lots of new stuff coming in the new year. So definitely hang tight with us. Uh, if if anybody else wants to say anything before we get out for the year, uh, now's your time. Otherwise, we're gonna wrap it out. Oh hey, penalties! It's me, Korg, everyone's favorite version of the character. Talking of favorites, my highlight for 2019 comes from the Endgame movie. Did you know I was in that one, bro? Nah, don't worry. I'm not going to talk about myself in a weird tangent. I wouldn't want to steal Charles's gimmick, hey? See, I love the slightly bigger than usual version of my good friend Thor. Little known fact, I was in fact his personal trainer for that movie. Most people believe it was a fat suit, but I can confirm it was just a lot of pizza and beer. And maybe a fat suit. As for breaking the panel, I think I speak for a few of us when I say that my highlight for 2019 is any episode not featuring the rock lobster of podcasting, Mr. Charles McFall. As it turns out, 2019 was a good year for this. It gave more time for Paul to express himself. See, I think Clots would be great on one of those political shows. You know, the ones where they talk over the top of each other and mansplain everything. Hey... Oh, wait, he's already got a show like that. It's called Crash Test Pilots. Oh, I've been going for three minutes now. Probably means it's time for Chris to piss off overseas and claim he's doing it for his country. When in truth, I think he's doing it for tax purposes. Which then leads me to Phil, the heart, soul and bad haircut of the operation. Not bad for an Italian plumber who eats shrooms and claims to be able to fly with the help of a dead raccoon's tail. It's not a flying hammer, bro. Leave the raccoon alone. Well, I think my Wi-Fi minutes are nearly up, so I'll leave you with this random thought I had. Does anyone else think that Charles's name makes him sound like an uncoordinated fast food worker? Merry Christmas, you unclean animals. <laughs> Please like, subscribe, and share the life. Because uh, y'all need to. All right, everybody. Have a great holiday. And we will see you again in the new year. Breaking the Panel is the flagship podcast on the Giant Size Team Up Network. You can support the show at patreon.com slash breaking the panel. And you'll find more of our amazing podcasts at giantsizeteamup.com.